Hi, I'm Matt Pacilli with the Virginia State Golf Association, and welcome to our Golf in the Commonwealth podcast. This is the fifth in our Meet the Hiker series and an opportunity to meet our hiker, Brian Wright. Brian was one of our at-large hikers who voluntarily signed up for this challenge. But before we get to the conversation, I do want to thank our amazing sponsors and donors who've helped us raise over $50,000 right now to support youth on course efforts here in Virginia. Obviously walking 100 holes in a day takes strength and endurance, and our friends at Adams Performance have come alongside as our official fitness training and recovery sponsor. You may recall Dr. Kyle Adams was on the podcast earlier this season. Kyle himself is TPI certified, and his team works with a ton of athletes and golfers, ranging from guys who play in VSGA super senior events to kids playing high school golf. Learn more about getting your athletic edge at adamsperformancerva.com. We also had apparel donations from our friends at Cutter and Buck and Turtleson. Both Cutter and Buck and Turtleson provided shirts for our hikers. And when you make a purchase at Cutter and Buck through vsga.org store, a portion of the purchase is donated back to the VSGA. So please check that out and use promo code VSGA25 for 25% off regular priced items across their site. Our friends at Golfdom in McLean, Virginia, Buddy Christensen, owner of Golfdom, is another former guest on the podcast. And Golfdom has a huge selection of equipment, apparel, and services for golfers at every stage of the game. We're grateful for their support and hope you'll visit golfdomgolf.com to shop their site or learn more. Big thanks also to our friends at Strixon for donating gloves and balls for our hikers during the hike. And post round, our hikers did enjoy the new transfusion canned cocktail from Forecraft Cocktails. If you're looking for Forecraft Cocktails canned transfusion, you must be 21 years and up and please enjoy responsibly. So, like I mentioned before, our guest this week is Brian Wright. Brian lives in the Richmond area and recently joined Lakeside Park Club. When we first put out the opportunity to sign up for a hiker to the VSGA membership, Brian was the first on board and has been super gung-ho throughout the process. Stay tuned after the break also because the first part of our conversation is before the hike and the second part takes place after the hike as a recap of Brian's experience. Okay, here's my conversation with Brian Wright. Brian Wright, thank you for joining us on the VSGA's Golf in the Commonwealth podcast as part of our Meet the Hiker series. You are one of the individuals joining us on the 100-hole hike on September 21st, and you had completed the questionnaire that we had sent out for folks who might be interested in hiking, and I've had the opportunity to talk with you a little bit, but tell people who you are, what you do, et cetera. Well, my name is Brian Wright. Um, I am a structural engineer in my day job uh, here in the Richmond, Virginia area. Um, do a lot of bridge work and things like that. Um, it's a fun job. I get to hang out on and underneath bridges a lot during during my time. So uh, you might see me hanging from below a bridge if you're around the Richmond area. Um, but also, obviously, a passionate golfer. Um, picked up the hobby. Really got hooked around the time I was in college. Um, and it's basically my second, not a job, but it's what I spend the second most amount of time doing outside of my normal day job. So, um, yeah, that's that's the short and sweet about me. Where are you from originally? Are you a native from of Virginia? Yeah, was born and raised in Stanton, Virginia. Um, lived there until I went to college. I went to college at Virginia Tech. 
um, decided to move to the Richmond area after college. It's where my then girlfriend, now wife, is from and all her family's at. Spent a summer here interning and really just kind of fell in love with the area and have been happy to call it home since about 2014 and don't see myself going anywhere else. That's that's great. So you went to Virginia Tech and was it there at school that you picked up golf? Where had, you know, at what point did you start to pick it up and where had golf kind of been in, in your, your childhood or your, your upbringing? My first experience with golf was going to a driving range with my dad. Um, he'd take me, you know, we'd hit a couple balls. I remember loving that growing up and looking forward to going to a driving range, going up, uh, playing mini golf as a kid when you're on vacation. I mean, I, I think that's probably a lot of kids first introduction into any kind of golf. Um, we would go about once a year to play a course, uh, kind of right on top of Afton mountain called Swananoa. And my dad played like once a year, he would take me with him when I was about 11 or 12 years old. So therefore I would play once a year. Um, again, I loved it. I looked forward to it so much. I felt like at night, the night before going to play, I would like stay up, couldn't go to sleep because I was so excited. Um, but, you know, only played it once a year, a lot of that due to in part because it was expensive. And, um, you know, my parents were just like, yeah, we just we just don't have the money to play, you know, golf all that much or, mm-hmm. or do it. But um, so I, I knew I enjoyed the sport. I knew it was something I liked doing. I had positive memories from doing it. Um, so I go to college at Tech and uh meet a couple of friends down there, one of whom was a pretty, um, pretty good golfer in high school. He he was from up in the New Jersey area and he started getting me out to the course more. And we kind of got a group of friends together that uh, I think like our junior, senior year, like every Friday afternoon, we'd go and play the nine hole course on Tech's campus. Um, and that's probably where like the bug really bit me because you got to play more often and you got to see yourself starting to get better and you started to hit better shots. And I mean, I think any golfer can relate to, you know, once you flag that first iron, you know, and you Mm -hmm. hit it close, like once you have that feeling, you're just searching for that moving forward every day, every swing. And, uh, and so that, that bit me pretty good. So left college, um, started working and kind of had a bunch of free time to kill. Wasn't married yet. Was in an apartment by myself living here in Richmond. Um, so in the evenings, the afternoons, you know, I happen to live right across the street pretty much from the crossings golf club here in the Richmond area. And they had a great kind of practice program deal where you paid, you know, I think it was like $40 a month or whatever at the time. And you could hit all the range balls you wanted to. And then at twilight, you could walk out into the course and it didn't cost anything extra mm. than that, like monthly fee, which fantastic deal. Right. Yeah. So did that for about a year and just hit balls like every day kind of went from being around like an 18 handicap to, you know, quickly dropping that number and getting better and just that chase of getting better um, kind of led me to, I think the full on like golf obsession that I have today. Uh-huh. So it kind of went from, Hey, this is something I like doing as a kid to, yeah, you know, I really do like this. I'd like to do more of it in college to just a flat out, like I'm going to do this all the time. Whenever I have free time, I'm going to watch all the YouTube videos. I'm going to listen to all the podcasts. I'm going to read all the articles. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a full blown obsession at this point. 
Talk about this. You're scratching me where I itch. Talk about that full on obsession. Like what publications do you get? What YouTube channels are you subscribed to? What's in your Instagram feed? Oh my gosh. The Instagram feed. I don't think we have time to list all that here. <laughs> um, I'd say no laying up guys. They're, they're probably my favorite uh, golf content creators out there right now. I, uh-huh. I love everything that they do. I mean, it started with their podcast and love that, but gosh, I mean, their YouTube page is just amazing. Their videos that they put out are absolutely unbelievable. Um, but in addition to those guys, I think the golfer's journal subscribed to that mm-hmm. this year have not regretted that a bit. Um, that is a fantastic read. Um, I actually have some travel plans this weekend and I can't wait to take that on the plane with me and catch up on some of those articles. Um, I really have gotten into golf architecture mm-hmm. recently. So the fried egg and Andy Johnson and all the stuff that he does. Uh, I, I really love that stuff. I love reading about architecture. I think I, that's something as I've kind of gotten older and more into golf, something I've really started to dive more into and find just fascinating. I think I read, I read Tom Doak's anatomy of a golf course one year on vacation. Really? Oh yeah. It was awesome. I, I told you I'm obsessed. I've got a problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that was great. I, so th- those are probably the no laying up Friday golfers journal. Um, those are probably the, the main, my main sources of, of golf information and uh, social media and video and all that. Wow. And so, I mean, you're, you're also a member at Lakeside Park Club. Is that correct? That is correct. So talk a little bit about, you know, the experience of being at Lakeside at a place that's, you know, rebranded and, you know, sort of claiming a little bit deeper their, you know, tradition and history with Donald Ross and being a a Ross original. It's amazing. I, I knew I wanted to join a, join a club, um, kind of after I, we moved away from the crossings area. Um, I was, I was looking for a place to call home. I was looking for a place, uh, where I could play golf, find a good group to play golf with, get involved in events and starting to start play, playing in, you know, weekly, monthly club events, club championships, um, all that. And then just a place that I could go after work and play a few holes. So in the process of kind of looking for a place to join my father-in-law, who's, you know, been in Richmond, obviously a a while and, um, is a member at the federal club, you know, kind of looked to him for some advice of maybe a place to join. And, And Lakeside was the first place that he mentioned. He's like, it's close to where you're living. Um, you're going to love the golf course. You can walk it. Um, and then, you know, talking to a few other buddies, I, I mentioned that it was a Donald Ross course. And and the guy I kind of mentioned earlier who got me into golf in college was like, dude, you can't go wrong. You know, if it's got that name associated with it, I'm sure it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went up there, played it for the first time, kind of as a prospective member, um, got to play with a few of the, the members that had been there for a while. And, you know, the golf course sells itself and the golf course is absolutely amazing, but the membership there couldn't be nicer and more approachable and friendly. Um, but the course is awesome. I guess just to talk for the course for a minute, like tips out at like 6,300 yards. Um, you know, tee boxes are right next to the greens. I mean, it's so easy to walk, which I love. And then just the strategy of it, like you don't have to hit it long there. Um, but that's not really what protects that place. The Mm -hmm. approaches into the greens, you've got to be precise just where the bunkers are, the slopes on the greens. I mean, 
it's amazing. Like you're sitting there with a, a nine iron in your hand and you're going like, there's 50,000 ways this could go so wrong if I don't do this right. And yeah. I think that's awesome. I think that's so cool and something you don't see a lot anymore. Um, I, and I love it. And as far as the rebranding of the course goes, I, I think it's great. I think um, RGM there, Jeff Crab and head pro um, Tim Shanley, I think they have a great vision for where that course is going in the future. Um, I love that they changed the name from, you know, country club to just, lakeside park club um i think you know people my age would probably tend to think that the country club you know name kind of carries some i don't want to say bad vibes but not good feelings or some maybe like ultra exclusive feelings that i don't want to be a part of i think golf should be accessible for everybody and and you know private clubs certainly have their place but um i definitely want it to be a place that people can feel approachable and you know you're not going to find any you know you're not going to find anybody telling you, telling you you can't come out and play that golf course if you if you ask. So I really yeah. love it. I think they've done a great job embracing the history of the place. Um, the history is really cool if you get a chance to read about it. When it was a bicycle club and it, we had a zoo there, some of the cages are still around on the golf course. Um, yeah, it's, it's a cool place. And I probably spend, man, I probably spend close to 15 hours a week there on average. Uh-huh. It's crazy. Well, Lakeside's been a great partner of the VSGA over the years and hosted a lot of events for us and really been a great, great partner and supporter. We appreciate everything that we have with them and everything they've they've done for us. You talked about, I mean, obviously now you have the opportunity to play at a private club where you have um, a little bit maybe wider tee sheet and a little bit more access. But, you know, your journey got started in the game when you didn't have that type of access. And that's, I would think, partly what's brought you to now this 100-hole hike uh, to join us to help make golf accessible for kids who are part of Youth on Course, 1,400 participating Youth on Course clubs across the country that kids, as members of Youth on Course, have the opportunity to play for $5 or less. And we have 35 courses here in Virginia. What is it about this challenge or this cause that that has drawn you into it and maybe it's both yeah like well like i said before i i probably didn't play as much golf as a kid growing up because i was told by my parents it's just it's too expensive you know there was a barrier there to me getting into this game and while i had other hobbies as a kid i played baseball growing up you know i wasn't bored i wasn't looking for stuff to do i've always kind of wondered um since i've really gotten into golf you know what if I had gotten the exposure that I have now to this game as a 10 11 12 year old um, who was still very impressionable still kind of looking for what my role in life and what my hobbies and all that stuff were going to be and I don't know I mean maybe things would have been different maybe they weren't I'm certainly not complaining about the way my life's gone and, and 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 all that but I would be lying if I said I didn't wish golf played a bigger part in my life earlier than it did. Mm-hmm. So I think what Youth on Course does in making this game affordable um, for you know our younger golfers coming up and making it something more approachable and a, a price that parents can maybe stomach a little bit better is an awesome thing. And I want golf to be more inclusive and bring more people into this game. And you know that saying "grow the game" is is you know, it feels borderline cliche at this point. It's used so often, but this is something that actually I think is trying to grow the game and actually is trying to bring people in who maybe wouldn't otherwise do it. 
So I think that's an awesome cause. And I think that's something golf needs. And I think that's something that the golf world needs to see more of. Um, but yeah, in addition, as I think I've documented already, I'm a golf nut. And the idea of how much golf is too much golf, I don't think I've found that limit yet. So let's see if 100 holes is the limit or not. <laughs> What's the most number of holes you've played in a day so far? Oh, my gosh. Um, probably 45, somewhere in that ballpark. Probably uh-huh. a 36 plus a E9 thrown in there for extra measure. But yeah, it hundred is certainly way, way different. Um, we'll see how it goes. Right. What are you doing? You know, after you signed up and we talked a couple of weeks ago and we brought you on to be a hiker with us, what, what in your life changed? Did you say to your wife, all right, I got to start eating differently. I got to work out. Like what, what did anything change? Um, I probably should eat differently. I don't think that's changed yet. Um, <laughs> Definitely been trying to walk a bit more, trying to get out in the evenings, take the dog for a walk if I can. Um, and then, you know, obviously I already walk a lot when I play off. Again, being up at Lakeside and playing most of my golf out there makes that really easy. Mm-hmm. But trying to get out and walk more. Um, I'd love to get like a 36 whole day or two in, you know, coming up, just just yeah. get some work um, with the legs. But, uh, you know, we've got a lot of travel and stuff kind of coming up towards the end of the summer. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, continuing to just try to go, go walk a little bit every day. Uh, we're actually going, um, out to Yellowstone this, this, this weekend for like a, uh, a lot late summer vacation. So there'll be a lot of walking there. That'll, that'll be a good training, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's basically it. Nothing too crazy. I I definitely don't think it's going to be easy, but. I already walk a lot, you know, we'll, we'll get through it. I'm sure. Yeah. It's really going to be exciting. I mean, we're talking about so many different things and, and different folks who I've talked to have had different ideas. Like I'm going to change my clothes every 18 holes, or I'm going to change my shoes halfway through, or I'm going to do this. And I, I'm like, I, I hadn't, I mean, I had personally hadn't thought of, thought about that type of stuff. I'm like, we tee it up at, we're going to get the balls in the air, hopefully by 6:45 in the morning. And then we're just going to go. And that's, that's that. Yeah. I think the half set's going to be in play for sure. Yes. I think absolutely. the half set's definitely going to be in play. Uh, got the GPS watch, you know, won't be needing to pull a range finder or anything like that. Just get to your ball, hit your ball, find it again, hit it again. Um, yeah. I've done the math on like, I've already looked up the, the, the sunrise and sunset. I think we've got like 12 hours between that. We, that is, that is the autumn solstice. We have 12 hours. <laughs> I, I was, I was, a, I, I'm not going to say if I was disheartened by that or not when I actually saw that, but I was like, there's 12 hours. That's what we've got. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you do the math, I think it's like seven and a half minutes a hole or something like that. We've, we've uh-huh. got to work with. So, um, we're going to be moving. We're going to, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think range finders are probably out of the question. Leave your range finders in the car, GPS watch if you've got it, um, and practice swings. You only get practice swings on the first tee, and then we're going. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Then we're going, but I don't, I don't have that answer for sure. Now, let me ask you a question because I think I saw this on like a picture that you had posted, and I don't want to go too far here, but. It looks like you grip the club. You make your full swings cross-handed. Is that correct? That would be correct. Yeah. How does one, I played with a young man 
a couple of weeks ago, actually, who did the same thing. And I'd never, never played with anyone who had done that. And he, the way that he explained it, he was like, yeah, this is how I grip the club. This is how I swing. And yeah. I was like, wait, what do you mean? Now I putt cross-handed. I started putting cross-handed four, three and a half years ago. Um, but the full swing is, is totally different to me. Talk, talk me through that. Well, so you know, first thing I'll say is it's it's funny you say you've played with somebody who does it um, because that's a common response I get playing with people who don't know me and they see it for the first time. And they're like, oh, I've played with somebody like that before. I know these people exist. There is a guy named Josh Broadway who played on the uh, Corn Ferry web tour um, for a while. There was a guy on Big Break uh, for those that you know remember that show on mm-hmm. Golf Channel who did it. Um, there's a kid at he plays for the University of Oklahoma who swings that way right now. So these people exist. I've never played with somebody who does it. I, uh-huh. I, so I think that's kind of funny. Um, the story is, is so growing up, I played baseball. Um, I swing a baseball bat left-handed. Okay. It is the only thing I do left-handed. I write right-handed. My right hand's my dominant hand and everything else. But for whatever reason, when I started picking up a bat as a kid, I wanted to grip it left-handed. So I just ended up being a left-handed batter. Um, when I was a kid growing up, starting to swing a golf club, the only golf clubs I had were right-handed clubs. My dad played golf once a year. He didn't know anything about a golf swing. I spent most of my childhood when I was hitting golf balls in my grandfather's cow field, hitting golf balls out into the cow field with you know uh-huh. my dad's clubs. Nobody there was telling me what to do and what not to do. So I gripped the club, how it felt comfortable to me, which was a left-handed grip using right-handed clubs. And I just started figuring it out. And, um, that's what led to me swinging the club the way I do today. When I really got into golf in college, my now wife asked me one year for Christmas, she's like, look, sorry to ruin the surprise. I'm getting you, you know, a true starter set of golf clubs for Christmas. I was using my dad's like old blades that were not meant for me and my skill level. He still had wood, like actual wood woods in the bag. I needed the upgrade. And so, you know, um, I don't think she knew what she was doing when she did that and the monster she was really creating and feeding. Uh, but when she got me the club, she said, you know, you need to make a decision. Are you doing this right-handed? Or are you doing this left-handed? And I kind of said, okay, if I'm going left-handed now is the time to do it. What do I want to do? And I was like, gosh, I've kind of started to figure out how to get the golf ball around a golf course this way. I don't really want to go back to square one. Let's just roll with this and said, go with the right-handed clubs and, and have just never changed it. Have just figured it out. And, um, you know, I, I'm certainly not the best golfer in the world, but I think I've, I've figured it out decently well and can get the, the ball around the course fairly well doing it. So. I mean, that, I think it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's just fascinating to hear, you know, regardless necessarily kind of, of, of your grip that, that someone might have something like that, something like your situation is kind of obvious when versus if we're talking about like, do you interlock or do you overlap? Um, it's a little bit more obvious, but, or not as obvious, excuse me. But what's important is that when someone is taking up the game and getting into the game, we sort of allow them to find their way in it and not get so bogged down with some of the traditions or some of the quote unquote fundamentals of, of, doing a particular thing that sucks away some of the fun from it. Yeah, agree a hundred percent. I, 
have figured out this game more or less on my own. Um, I probably should get more lessons, but uh, I kind of enjoy, you know, hey, I, I'm doing this wrong. How do I fix it? How do I get the ball to go higher? How do I get the ball to go lower? How do I get rid of my slice? How do I not overdraw it? Um, all of those things, you know, I, I enjoy just going to a range and trying to mess around with, with my swing and trying to figure it out. And um, yeah, it's a lot more fun when you don't feel like there's the pressure of somebody looking over your shoulder saying, well, you're not doing it the way I would do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to having you with us. It's been a pleasure to get to know you over the last couple of weeks and to learn about your passion for golf and for accessibility that we're able to create through Youth on Course. Thank you for joining me on the podcast, and we're looking forward to seeing you on September 21st. Anything else you want to offer before we say goodbye? I can't wait for September 21st. Um, I, I actually was telling my boss about it today and he was like, are you serious? Like a hundred holes in a day. How are you? He started asking, I think the same questions you were, what are the logistics? How are you going to get this done? Like, that's a lot. I'm like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll move quick. We're motivated. So I, I can't wait for it. I think it's an awesome challenge. Um, I can't wait to go home and tell my wife that, no, I could play more golf after today and uh, see the look on her face. So it's going to be, it's going to be a fun day. And, uh, for a great cause. So. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. We appreciate your enthusiasm and your participation and we'll look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Matt. So Brian, now we're back after the, the first part of the conversation was pre hundred hole hike. Now we are, we're recording this conversation about 24 hours after you came off the golf course, finishing your 100th hole. How do you feel? I feel sore. Uh-huh. Uh, that's the first word that comes to mind. Um, but so incredibly happy and um, proud of what we accomplished yesterday as a group. Um, it's been right at about 24 hours. I think it's like 5.04 now as we're talking. And at 5.15 p.m., I sunk my last putt um, on my 100th hole yesterday. So. Uh-huh. It's it's been a pretty great 24 hours since uh, to see the support of everybody um, on Instagram and friends and family reaching out and saying great job, congrats. It's it's been great. It's 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 been awesome to see the outpouring of support. Did it talk a little bit about? Well, let's talk about pace of play. You were we recorded your first part of the conversation. One of the first hikers who I talked to and you were the first person who I think put on me the idea that daylight allowed us to play each hole in about seven and a half minutes and that was starting at about 7 a.m and we'd have until maybe 7 30. Um, like you just said you finished at 5 15. How did you feel about your pace of play and the was it was it the fact that you were over prepared for what you might have to do or how did you how did you adjust and and manage the day so pace of play for me was great um i started the morning at 6:45 with uh michael mm-hmm. um michael walder yep from uh vsga he's like your handicap guy correct uh, and you know i thought for sure you know i'd change people I was playing with throughout the day. And 
we just kind of had a great pace from the start. Uh, we kind of matched each other's pace really well. And we stayed together the whole day. And it was perfect. Um, I wasn't taking practice swings. I wasn't, you know, shooting a laser. Uh, I was getting up to my ball, looking at the yardage on my GPS watch, picking a club and hitting it. But at the same time, you know, still felt like I was trying to hit golf shots mm-hmm. when I got to the green. Uh, if I had a par or a birdie putt, you know, I wasn't getting down to read the line or anything, but I'd stand behind it for a quick second, try to get an idea of the line and hit it, uh, particularly on birdie putts. Um, and I was I was thrilled with the pace. But yeah. you're, I think you're kind of bearing the lead a bit. And I finished at 515 and we were the last to finish. Well, I wasn't going to I didn't want anybody to have a sense of first or last or or whether or not that that mattered the uh, the the feat is in completing 100 holes and doing it and you know what i think that you guys did which i give you a ton of credit for which is one thing i didn't do i mean i finished uh, a good two and a half hours before you guys um i putted a lot with my wedge and i just kind of especially for the first nine to 18 holes. I'd have my bag on my shoulder. I'd chip one handed. I'd get it up there close. I'd hit, I'd take two putts with my wedge and I, and I'd move on. My feet barely stopped moving. Um, and then I, I didn't get to the point where I was like, okay, I'll take out my putter now if I hit a green in regulation. Um, and I didn't hit that. I went a stretch where I didn't hit many greens in regulation. So I wasn't taking my putter out a whole lot. Um, but you know, I think what you guys did, uh, at least how I perceived what you did, was proof of how with a good course setup, with a good group of hikers, and, you know, the proper mentality of completing these 100 holes, it can be done with time to spare, and you can have a great time doing it. We, we had a blast doing it, and I think you know, who finished first or last, whatever. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. Doing it is doing it. I, I believe I had the quote to somebody yesterday of, if you tell somebody you run a marathon, nobody asks, were you first or were you last? They just ask, did you finish? And I, I think it's the same thing for this. Um, and we just had a great time. Yeah, we were trying to make birdies where we could. But hey, if you if you got lost in a hole and you were putting for a six, yeah, just, just tap it up there and call it a day. And that was fine. Um, but we, we had such a great time. And Michael was such a fantastic playing partner throughout the entire day. Uh, I really enjoyed getting to know him, getting to know what he did at uh, what he does at BSGA with your handicapping work. And, and just to create that friendship was just awesome. How did you feel about the choices you made coming into the day related to uh, equipment and how you arranged your bag, whether you had extra socks or extra golf shoes. How did you manage your way through that? I'm pretty happy with it. I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head with the setup that I would change. So I I chose to kind of go through my bag, kind of go every other club. Uh-huh. Um, so I had like a sand wedge, a pitching wedge, eight, six, four, iron, and a three wood. And then I left my driver sitting on nine tee box. So mm-hmm. nine was the only par five we had on the entire course. And it was really the only hole that y- you didn't really need a driver, but it, you know, I enjoyed hitting driver and trying to go for that green a few times with a three wood mm-hmm. after. So um, just would hit the driver, put it back in the, 
in the cart that was sitting next to nine tee box and, and move on. Um, I didn't have a Sunday bag. I noticed a lot of people with the Sunday bags yesterday, which I definitely get the, you know, why people went that way. But I loved being able to put it up on a stand and just grab it and go. Mm-hmm. By the end of the day, bending down at all was was quite an effort. So to keep having to bend down and reach down to grab a bag, I I, I don't know if I could have done that. So I loved know. the stand bag. Loved that call. Yeah, I had the Sunday bag and as my back was beginning to wear on me, I'm like, but I think I'm bending in all the right places. Like, I don't, I don't think this is on my back. And, um, I don't know, those stand bags started to look better and better. And I started to sort of mentally scroll through my garage and my attic of what golf bags I have where that I could use a stand for next year. Um, you know, should I be able to do with it? Should I be able to do it? It was just such an awesome day to, you know, be able to play a hundred holes and meet so many great like-minded folks. What else did you take away from the people that you had to meet and that we had that, that, that we got to be with? I think the biggest takeaway I had from that was there are so many people that are as obsessed with golf as I am. And it was so great to meet people who were as passionate about golf for maybe different reasons maybe from different backgrounds, um, but just who cared about this game so much to get to meet all those people and talk to them and hear their stories and see how much they loved this game and loved being with other people who are part of this game. Um, it just, it just was so refreshing and it just made me fall in love with this game even more than I already am. And it, it, that was just, it was fantastic. I, I think everybody that was out there has a story to tell, has a background, and has a great reason why they're supporting youth on course. And it, it was just, it was great to see. Yeah, it was really special to, to, to see the subsets of golfers. I think in a lot of ways, people think of golf as like, you've got competitive golf and you've got recreational golf. Um, And a lot of times it's just like sort of that. But what you don't realize is that people have other passions that might find commonality amongst them, each other as they play in a Saturday foursome or as a Sunday foursome, whatever. But to see what this group was, was like people enjoying uh, accepting the physical challenge, accepting the challenge of trying to raise money, uh, having a passion for the game, and then sort of also picking apart their bag in different ways to make all of this work. It took a special type of person to say, especially the folks like you who raised your hand and said, yeah, I'd love to try to hike. I'd love to try to do this. That to me, to be able to meet people like you and like our other hikers, kind of our at-large hikers that I would consider who weren't the four of us VSGA staff members or a couple board members, that was really special to see like, oh my gosh, there are these people who are just, who have the same passions and interests that I do. And now we can explore those in this different way through this, through this little segment of golf, which is not competition. It's not recreation. It is a total different type of golf. That was really exciting. It was great. I think the, the coolest thing I saw yesterday is 
when Keith had his son walking with him for a mm-hmm. while, who's a youth on course member. Yeah. That, that was really neat. Um, I, I don't, I don't know why that, that hit me so much, but just, I saw them in the separate fairway, just walking down the fairway, just chatting and enjoying around the golf. And it just really drove home. I think the whole point of what youth on course is. And, mm-hmm. and that was, that was super cool, but Keith's out there for his son and for all the other kids that want to be there for youth on course, like we all are, he's probably got a bit more of a personal connection to it than most of us do. But then you had, you know, I played with Will Saunders for mm-hmm. a few holes and, you know, he's involved obviously with RBA nine and he's so much about the the social aspect of it, of getting yeah. out and meeting new people, um, playing with, um, Michael, who is a great golfer, by the way, I was mesmerized by his swing most of the day. Yeah. Um, you know, he's, he, he highlights a bit more of that, like competitive side of things and wanting to go out and shoot a score. I mean, the dude had 18 birdies. He birdied nine of the 10 holes on our loop. I mean, you know, we were all rooting for him. He had like one hole left the last two loops and he came painfully Mm. close both times. I mean, just that competition, wanting to get the best out of yourself side of it was, was so evident with him. And yeah, it, it it was just, it was a great group of people. And I I hope we can all get together sometime soon when we're not zombies, uh, just trying to get our legs back underneath us to, to kind of relive uh, yesterday and, and talk a bit more about it. And they're people that I hope to keep in my, my circle and play a lot more golf with, um, in the near future. So it was, yeah. it was a great day. Um, yeah, I, I, I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being a part of it. It means so much to me and to the rest of our VSGA staff to have folks like you come alongside us to, to raise money for youth on course here in Virginia. And it's, we feel very special and very blessed to have friendships like you now, as we, as we go forward through, you know, whatever we're going to do. Um, thank you for taking the time the day after the hundred hole hike also to relive it and not say get lost. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Um, and, and Matt, thank you guys for, for reaching out and, um, thank you for the opportunity to be a part of this. It, it's an experience that I'm so grateful to have. Um, it's an experience I hope to have again. And, um, I mean, shoot, how many golfers can say they've played 100 holes in a day? I know I can now. Right. That's pretty great. That's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Golf in the Commonwealth. And big thanks to Brian Wright. Even though the hike is over, you can still pledge on Brian's hike or anyone else's at vsga.org slash youthoncourse and click on the link for the 100 hole hike. Keep an eye on the podcast feed and social media for more content related to the 100 hole hike. And we'll see you in the fairway soon.